Josh Swanson, Vogel Law Firm. Thank you very much for joining the program here today, the crude life as we talk about this ongoing Wilkinson mineral case in the state of North Dakota in the Bakken, which has just been one of those bizarre cases that I, I didn't know if it would end. And I know there was another court ruling last week, Supreme Court. I'm not sure if it's over yet or if there's going to be maybe a new chapter in this. So we've brought in Josh Swanson. He's the attorney on the case. How are you doing today, Josh? I'm doing well, Jason. It's always good visiting with you about oil and gas issues, especially the Wilkinson case and the rights of property owners that are impacted by it. So this case, for those people maybe joining the first time, maybe you've heard of this Wilkinson case and don't know much about it. Maybe you've heard it as the Lake Sakakawea Mineral Rights, U.S. Corps of Army, uh, U.S. Uh, Army Corps of Engineers. You know, there's a lot of buzzwords involved with this different case, but kind of the, the, the long and short of it is, and I'm going to give my brief description, then I'm going to hand the baton off to you and, and elaborate, correct, and, and kind of go from there. But uh, there was several booms in, in the state of North Dakota in the 80s and, I don't know, in the 60s or 50s or whatever, and not a lot in between. So there's, there's dormant periods where just things were not being drilled. But that still didn't mean that there wasn't minerals underneath. So when the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers came in to create the garrison diversion, they flooded some land. And through the course of flooding that land, they took over the surface but did not take over the minerals because the minerals still have value. And the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers was for a public use. It was for a dam. They didn't need that underneath. That was, again, this is my interpretation of what's going on here. Well, then the Bakken boom happened, and the shale play USA happened, and $100 oil, and everybody wanted money, and the state got greedy, and everything else, and all of a sudden, these minerals, which have never been in dispute before, all of a sudden are in dispute in the court against, you, you have a private uh, family going up against the, the king, the state, the government, and that's not easy to do. So... That's kind of my interpretation that, you know, these minerals were kind of dormant just because there was no oil being drilled. And then all of a sudden, when there's money to be had and minerals to be had, boy, everybody was coming out of the woodwork wanting these. And the people with the actual certificate of the ownership said, "Uh, no, still us. Uh, we got it. We got now. We got to hire an attorney here, Josh Swanson. So, Josh, am I am I interpreting this loosely enough to kind of have a conversation about it? Or is there big key points that I'm missing here? In a, in a nutshell, Jason, you've got you've got it right. Those those are the facts that were at issue. They, they, when you say words like dormant, you know, I, I hate to be the technical legal guy. There's a certain you know meaning under Title 38 of the Century Code about dormant land. So you're right. The concept is obviously the the minerals were under Lake Sakakawea until we had horizontal drilling, you couldn't get at the minerals. So they were never drilled until the, the most recent boom up here. But the, the impacted families like the Wilkinsons had actually been leasing the mineral rights going back to the uh, the 1950s and 60s because they're, you know, a lot of those minerals are bordering right on the lake. So some of them were accessible off the the shore obviously but you're you're spot on in that the reason this came about you know it's that old adage that's as old as time itself follow the money these operators come in they have the technology to access the oil they start doing it 
the market for oil is, is great during the, the earlier days of the Bakken boom. And someone at the state decided they wanted a piece of the action for minerals that they never had title to. So that's exactly what they did. And this fight ensued and we got our uh, favorable decision from the North Dakota Supreme Court uh, late last week. 2008, 2009 is kind of, you know, 12 is when the Bakken really kind of took off and hit its peak, that sort of thing. When did this court case start? When did the state decide that they wanted to challenge the Wilkinsons or vice versa, whatever it might be? So uh, based on documents we got during discovery, you know, we serve, like any lawsuit, written discovery requests on the state. We do depositions and, and did quite a number of them in this case and best we can tell is that sometime in in approximately 2009 or 2010 someone you know it's interesting it was always once once you get caught with your hand in the cookie jar it's always the, the not me it was someone else and we didn't we don't know who decided to do this and we could never get a straight answer from the state whether it was the the previous land commissioner or the attorney general or someone in the attorney general's office who was responsible for concocting this uh, scheme for the state to claim all the minerals. But sometime approximately 2009, 2010 is when they commissioned that first Bartlett and West study under the the premise that the state was going to claim ownership to a lot of these minerals under Sakakawea. And then what they did, we know for a fact, in in the summer of of 2010, they started entering private minerals into the state's uh, leasing database online for companies to, to put in bids and to lease those minerals. So my, my clients found out about it, asked, you know, like any other person, what, hey, we, we own these minerals, what are you doing, state, trying to lease them? The state gave them the, the runaround and, and told them basically to go pound sand. You know, if you think you own them, file a lawsuit because we're not backing off. So that's what they did. And in 2012, the lawsuit was filed, and, and we've been up to the Supreme Court twice now, and we've gotten favorable decisions from the court both times, and including the most recent one that says, as a matter of law, the state does not own this family's minerals. The state does not own minerals like this family's minerals that were reserved when the, the United States came in for Garrison Dam and Lake Sakakawea. And more importantly, or as important, I suppose the first two ownership are pretty pretty important as well, but just as important, the Supreme Court said we get to go back now to the district court, just like we'd argued, and go after the state for damages for the unconstitutional taking that occurred from when the first uh, the state first claimed ownership of these minerals about 10 years ago until the Supreme Court's decision. So the, the risk the state now faces is that there are a lot of mineral owners that could come after them for the unconstitutional taking that's that's gone on the last 10 years while the state claimed that they own title to this property and other property like it. I was going to ask you if there was any precedent being set or any press potential precedent being set through this, and it sounds like there, there at least the potential is there. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good observation, and I, and, and I think the North Dakota Supreme Court, in a, a unanimous decision, it was a 5-0 decision, in the landowner's favor, and, and, and we certainly appreciate their diligence and their work on it. And it's a very comprehensive and, and well-reasoned and, and well-constructed opinion where it is absolutely precedent-setting. It's one of the, and, and, you know, I, I don't just say this because I'm the lawyer on it. I mean, it's, 
uh, some attorneys, it's that old, you know, be the, the workhorse versus the show horse. Some attorneys would be out there calling themselves, you know, the greatest attorney since Atticus Fitch. You know, that, that's not what I'm doing. You know, I, uh, the credit for this goes to, to our clients, but this, this is, you know, a, a long way of trying not to be too braggadocious and then patting ourselves on the back. This is one of the bigger property rights cases ever decided by the North Dakota Supreme Court because you have so much land at stake. You have so much value when you're talking mineral rights and impacted people. And this is hundreds of thousands of acres under, under Lake Sakakawea that were impacted by this decision. So when you talk about precedent setting and, and the significance of this opinion, uh, I, I would argue um, that it's one of the more important decisions involving land rights ever decided by our Supreme Court. Josh Swanson is our guest, Vogel Law Firm, in the greatest interview, literally the greatest interview we've ever had here. Sorry, I just had to go with your braggadocious. I wrote the word down, braggadocious down. I'm going to use that uh, sometime in the future. Excellent word. Um, so any, anyway, I also wanted to ask you about, uh, this is, you know, we've, we've been talking about this for eight years at least, you and I have been, and it sounds like this has been going on for like 10 years, and I know that some in the past, one of our interviews, you mentioned that family members have passed away, that certain college uh, graduations have happened. I mean, there's like some considerable, you know, milestones of, of, a, of a family's lineage of time involved here. Uh, first question, is this lawsuit now done? Second question, will there be an additional new chapter, one, as far as damages? Like I mentioned, there was somebody that passed, and you've got, you know, college graduations in the midst there. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, if this is finally done now, and are there conversations about what the next chapter is? Yeah, there there are. And, and really, the what happens next is entirely up to the state of North Dakota. The state of North Dakota, whether it's the land board or the attorney general or his office, they could give us a call and we could figure something out. You know, we're open to resolving this and we could do one of two things. We could go back to the district court and have a knockdown drag out and we can argue that the state is on the hook. There's very, very good, good and undisputed case law in our favor that says when the government attempts a taking, even if they fail, they have to pay the attorney's fees of the landowner and that that case law, our interpretation of it, it's very black and white. There's no room for gray. The state is on the hook for these folks as attorneys' fees. And the other end of it is, I mean, you're talking about the potential application of the uh, interest on royalty payments statute at Title 47 of the Century Code. You're talking interest on a judgment, which you know you add up the number of years and how interest compounds on top of itself. That could be a good number. For the life of me, what I've never understood about the state of North Dakota, they have refused to talk to us about this. And, and you know me and a lot of the listeners out there, chances are some of my clients are out there listening. I'm not a scorched earth kind of guy. I don't go out there beating the drum, looking to, uh, to take everything to litigation and setting everything on fire like, you know, uh, William Tecumseh Sherman marching through the South back in the closing days of the Civil War. That's not my style. We're very 
reasonable and we're open to discussions about getting cases done. I think that's why our clients like us so much and why, why we do such good work. But, you know, they've never done that. And I, I don't know that they'll do that here. I mean, we've put out the invitations to them through several platforms that they know how to get a hold of us. And if they want to get this done right now, rather than having us go back to the district court, and this case has gotten all kinds of, of media attention, as, as you've alluded to, Jason. You've been covering it since day one. The Associated Press has done stories on this, stories about the most recent Supreme Court decision I've seen in places as far away as the Houston Chronicle in the Washington Times and all the, the media outlets, obviously, in North Dakota covering it. And there's even been stories in The Guardian that they've picked up from the AP, and that's over in London. So this story has legs. This isn't a favorable story for the state and what they've put this family through. So what happens next is entirely up to them. If they want to have talks about getting this done, we'll do that. If they don't, we'll go back to the district court. And we feel very good based on what the law is that they're going to have to pay our folks some money. And, and the other thing that, that's um, potentially problematic for the state on this, I mean, the state, the state, is dragging down industry a little bit on this because you have oil and gas companies that are a part of this lawsuit and they've been taken along for this ride almost entirely because of the state's behavior. So I don't imagine that the uh, the North Dakota Petroleum Council is too thrilled with how the state has handled this case and they've filed actually filed a, an amicus brief to the Supreme Court in our case and, and my guess is that they would rather see this done sooner rather than later because it's it's not something that I suspect they want to be dealing with. So the, the short answer is that the next step depends entirely on what the state wants to do. We want to have a discussion. If they, if they want to have a discussion, we can sit down, break bread, have a coffee, and, and maybe hammer this thing out. If they don't, well, Katie, bar the door. We'll go to the district court, and we'll see what the court awards us for damages. Yeah, the other thing I want to touch on briefly, because you mentioned it, you know, family members here have died, several of them during the course of the litigation. And it just breaks, it breaks my heart. And the reason it breaks my heart is because, you know, I've gotten to know these folks over the course of the last decade, and they are such good people. They are salt of the earth, North Dakotans. They are, they were born here. They're raised here. Grandma and grandpa, who originally owned the property, farmed it. Going back to the Great Depression and World War II, you had several of their children that fought overseas in World War II, and the daughter. I mean, it's something that that, that I think I'll remember for as long as I'm practicing. Uh, one one of the plaintiffs here, who was the daughter of J.T. and Evelyn Wilkinson, because her two brothers were off fighting the war in Europe, Evelyn Wilkinson, the mom, took her into Williston to get her driver's license when she was like 12 years old because she needed to help on the farm driving truck. And that, that reminds me about my grandparents and my aunt and uncles and my parents and then how they grew up and my cousins and me, how we would drive truck on the farm when we were like 12 years old and be riding in the combine with grandpa. So this is something that's been so personal for me for such a long time because they, what I see in these clients, I see people I grew up with. I see people I went to church with at North Viking Lutheran Church in Maddock. I see people who came to my high school football or baseball games growing up. I see people who were yeah, volunteered as judges for the FFA and 4-H projects. Just really, really good people. And for the state, you, know, you mentioned earlier in the interview, the state 
just dragging them through this. And for the last 10 years, you know, I've sat down when they're in town, we'll go out and we'll grab a cold beverage together. Um, we talk on the phone quite a bit and, and they, you know, kind of, um, endearingly refer to me as an honorary member of the family. And that's, that's probably one of the greatest compliments I've received practicing law while I've been doing this. But, but that's something that it's always just been so frustrating to me that the state has put this family through that, where you've had folks that have passed away and have never been able to enjoy these minerals or their proceeds. And you've got folks that have gone through, you know, college graduations and, and this, this money from these mineral rights could have went to things like paying for college or, or whatever else. It was their money and they, they had a right to use this. So, you know, I, you're damn right. I'm, I'm going to get up on a, get up on a soapbox about this because this, this was such an important decision for so many reasons. But, but when you have just hard work and folks that didn't ask for litigation, they're not the kind of people. I, I mean, you know, Jason, being from here, folks in North Dakota don't like rushing off to the courthouse and filing lawsuits. And this hasn't been easy for them. It's been a real difficult 10 years. And, and the reason why I'm going into a lot of detail on this is I really hope that someone from the state of North Dakota or someone at the Petroleum Council is listening to this interview and they say enough is enough. Let's reach out to these guys and let's figure something out and, and let's get this done because that's that should be the next chapter and the last chapter in this saga. I mean, we really shouldn't have to go back to the district court and now fight the state again as to the dollar amount of those damages. There's room to get something done, and, and I'm really hoping that um, that's the next step. I got a couple of pure journalism questions for you. The first one is, where's the money? Where's the 10 years of the money been? Has it been sitting in escrow? Has the state been spending it? The, uh, obviously, the, uh, the, the Wilkinsons haven't gotten it, but it's, is the, does the oil companies keep it? What's happened to the money? Yep, on that front, fortunately, uh, and this goes back to, you know, the state, I think, knowing they were in the wrong on this, rather than using this money toward the school funds like they do with uh, other oil and gas proceeds. It's been in suspense. So the, the way for the listener to think about it, uh, without going into too much detail, if it's in the, the SIF fund, which is the Strategic Investment and Improvements Fund, or an escrow with Bank of North Dakota or one of the operators, uh, the money is basically sitting in, in an escrow-like account uh, waiting for a determination of the lawsuit here. So it is there. It just needs the proper keys to be turned the right way to be released. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so just to put it in real layman's yeah. terms, you need the two red, hunt for red October keys. And it sounds yeah. like, you know, Wayne Stengem is somebody who needs to be a part of that. And this land department and probably somebody else, it's probably the bank in North Dakota or something like that. So it's just, it, and my my guess is there there are the, those meetings are going to be happening if the money hasn't been released to the to the family at this point. It's that the wheels are in motion. Yep, and they're actually required. You know, the the legislature back in 2017 signed Senate Bill 2134 codifying Chapter um, 61-33.1 of the Century Code, and that was another important part of the Supreme Court's decision: is that the funds have to be released by the six-month timeline that now applies going back to, to the uh, uh, a survey that was approved, the Cattermas Lee Jackson, the KLJ survey, which did the acreage determinations, working from the statutory WENC survey, 
uh, that was released back on June 25th. So fittingly, um, you know, by Christmas, December 25th, those funds are required under statute to be released uh, per the Supreme Court's decision. You mentioned the Petroleum Council earlier. I did want to ask you about the oil companies. I mean, the, the one thing I, I have always appreciated about the oil companies is that they're pretty upfront. They're just into results. And, you know, they, they don't necessarily want, want to pick sides on a lot of different things. They want to help build communities. But at the end of the day, you know, if there's not money to be made, they, they generally aren't drilling. And um, did they take a side on this at all? Or did they just kind of stay out of it? I guess, did, did, did they, you know, they didn't have to because it, it was a private party against the state. So I can't imagine the oil companies would get too involved on this. But uh, just talk to me a little bit about if they got involved or just where, where they were through this whole process. Yeah, by by and large, I mean, w- without getting into the weeds too much, I think it's fair to say by and large, they've been on the side of mineral owners. I mean, the, the Petroleum Council and their their amicus brief filed with the Supreme Court on two of the three big issues sided with the Wilkinson family, which we we certainly appreciated. Um, and, and during the the legislative session and uh, the session. In the, uh, back in 2017, then again in, in 2019, the Petroleum Council testified and, and pushed the bill largely along the same lines as mineral owners. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy whose you know dad has a small, several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. So they didn't have much of a choice. You know, the state puts the leases up for bid, says they own them. And that happens all the time in situations where you have a title dispute, even not involving the state, where, you know, there's some uncertainty about who owns the minerals. What operators do is they lease both parties because they, they at the end of the day, they want the lease and there's a question or uncertainty that's that's really through no fault of their own where they lease up both sides and then they, they let the chips fall where they may. So by, by and large here, I, I know there are times where, you know, I, I sue oil companies regularly, you know, it's not, it's not personal, it's business. And, and, you know, when they spill on my client's property, sometimes they accept that and they, they, um, you know, take them, or, you know, take responsibility for that. Other times they don't, we have to drag them into court, which is really a separate issue. Um, but yeah, Jason, I think on this one right here, the operators and the petroleum council were by and large on the side of mineral owners and you know we've we've used the word certainty they have mineral owners have and that's the good thing about this decision is that we finally do have this certainty but it should never have gotten to this point i mean it really shouldn't have you you really have fundamental issues of constitutional and property law and the state had no basis to claim that they own these minerals so you know we're, we're glad that the Supreme Court issued its decision the way they did, and, and we hope that you know the the industry will use their considerable sway to, to maybe lean on the political folks here to help finally push this thing across the finish line. Well, even the example you gave about taking oil companies to court and and when they spill and and to me it's it's along the same lines that I was basically trying to point out that a lot of times oil companies, they're, they're very upfront about their end of results. And correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of times these spills and a lot of the other things, it's the, it's the middlemen, it's the service companies that are, are the ones actually doing the work. The oil companies are just subcontracting the stuff out. 
And that's generally where it becomes a little bit dicey and a little bit gray and, and et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, that's why I've always noticed the oil companies, they're pretty upfront about they're just into results. And um, it was inter- it was I was glad to see, I guess, that they were looking more towards the the minerals and, and, and owners and I guess, you know, that sort of thing. So the Wilkinsons, are they how are they feeling through all this, I guess? It's a, it's a good, it, it was a long day coming. You know, the, it, um, I appreciate that question. They've, they've fought long and hard and they've really been the champion. There's, uh, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of other mineral owners and property owners that are going to receive money and going to get their minerals back because of the Wilkinsons and their efforts. And, um, I'm proud of them. I'm proud to be their attorney. I, I'm so very, very happy for them. And they're, I think it's a lot to take in. It's one of those things where even me as an attorney, I, um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm glad for the result from the Supreme Court, but it, uh, it wasn't like I was popping champagne bottles last Thursday. I mean, I had another argument at the Supreme Court uh, actually yesterday and then had other work to get done. So I don't know that it's really sunk in yet when you have a case that you've been that involved in. It's that's such a big part of your life and such a fight for 10 years, you know, for me and, and I think them, I, I don't know that it's, yeah, entirely set in what what they accomplished, what the family achieved through their perseverance and dedication to this cause. And I think uh, over the Labor Day weekend here, sitting around the uh, fire pit with my my wife and and son and and our in law our in laws and our dogs having a couple cold Oktoberfest. I think then uh, it might start to sink in a little bit. And and I think the same for the family, where you know we knew we were pretty confident that this day would eventually get here. It just sometimes seems like the light at the end of the tunnel is so far away but that was kind of our mantra you know growing up small town north dakota farm kid is you know you just keep plugging away you keep chipping away and and the the metaphor we used was you just keep that sledgehammer and you keep blasting the damn thing against the dam and keep keep swinging and keep swinging because you know that little crack uh, gets bigger and it gets bigger and eventually the wall tumbles down so that was kind of our hard hat lunch pail approach throughout all of this and um you know we're we're glad for the results we we really are but yeah it was a long day coming and um i'm sure it'll sink in here sooner rather than later well we've got you know 20 25 radio stations we're booming across here uh across the five state region and then of course we've got our social media audience international because i know we have a couple canadian listeners so i at least say international now and um, are you, I mean, I imagine you're going to be accepting more more cases based on this if there's some sort of precedent. Are you going to be handling future cases like this? I, you know, the reason I bring it up is you might as well take an opportunity to plug, you know, some business right now because there's probably a lot of people listening that may be interested in if they can go and, you know, challenge the state. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, a lot of minerals out, the mineral owners out there probably don't know if they can or not. So I, I, I don't want you to put your name out there and have to weed through 99 different people and tell them no just to get to one. Do you know what I mean by that? Oops. Hey, my dog yeah. is going. <laughs> yeah, do- you tell your dog to give a call. If he's got some minerals, we'd be happy to, to help him out too. But no, I, I certainly appreciate the, the plug there. And yeah, we are we are taking cases and I have signed up uh, me along with my firm and some of my colleagues here have signed up several new cases and clients involving this very issue. And, and I'm actually at my desk without, uh, 
um, getting into the specifics of it, I mean, I, I've got maps of the, the KLJ survey out and the old segment maps from the core. And it, it's something that I, I think what we're really good at is, you know, we've been on this since day one, so I can flip through the core maps, the KLJ survey, and, and we know the, the legal issues obviously very well on it. So we are taking clients, and if there's anyone interested out there, they're certainly welcome to, to give me a call at 701 Two three seven six nine eight three. That's seven zero one two three seven six nine eight three. Or they can email me at Jay Swanson. That's J S W A N S O N, like the TV dinner at Vogel Law V O G E L L A W dot com. And and I'd be glad to to visit with them.